Question, are you in a workplace that is pulling you down, in a job that is draining you spiritually? Today, some help and encouragement on Moody Presents. Here's Pastor Mark Job. Your work has placed you in the middle of a lion's den. And you may feel today like, hey, God, please close the mouths of the lions around me because I feel like I'm about to be eaten alive. Welcome to Moody Presents with our teacher, Mark Job, president of Moody Bible Institute and founding pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago. You know, I'm convinced as we move through this teaching series on work that some of us, maybe a lot of us, get up on most workdays absolutely dreading the idea of going to work. It could be because of an oppressive, power-hungry environment. Might be a continual barrage of temptations or somebody asking you to do things that are unethical. Boy, it's a constant battle that puts you in situations which contradict your faith. Well, good news, there's help ahead on today's program. Troubles in the workplace are real, right? And many of our listeners are doing a great job standing up for their faith in Jesus on the job. But there are also those who have embraced real temptation in the workplace. So let's look at the professional life of Daniel to learn how he was able to stand strong but not compromise. Now, if you'd like to follow along, we're in Daniel chapter 6 as we continue in our series, God at Work, the sacred value of what you do. And now here's Pastor Mark Job with Keeping Your Job Without Losing Your Soul on Moody Presents. I don't know how you feel today about your job, but once in a while I'll run into someone and they'll start talking to me about their job and they tell me, Pastor, I just feel like My job is pulling me down. I feel like I'm losing my soul at my job. The dog-eat-dog world that we live in, the attitudes that exist there, the negative competitive spirit, the jealousy that's there, it's just a negative environment. And I feel like every time I go there, sort of, I lose my spirituality. How many of you know that it's hard sometimes to be spiritual at your job? How many of you know that? Yeah. That it's hard to keep that good attitude when everybody else is cussing and swearing. It's hard to be nice when everybody's mean. It's hard to walk with integrity when everybody else is cutting corners and you're trying to do it the right way. It's hard to have a good attitude towards customers that sometimes are just mean-spirited and demanding. It's hard to respect your boss when he is uh, disrespectful towards employees. It's difficult sometimes to just go in there with an attitude of, God, this is my ministry and this is my calling, when it seems like it is just so tough to keep a good attitude in a bad attitude place. Uh, Some people view work as a curse and believe that Work was as a result of the fall, and it was a curse, which is a wrong view, by the way, because work existed before the fall, and work is actually a blessing. And some people are so into their job that they view their job as an idol. Their job is their life. They live for the job. They breathe for their job. They think about their job. Everything revolves around their job, and ultimately, their job is their God. And so between your job being a curse and your job being an idol, somewhere in between, God's perspective is that your job right now is part of your calling. 
It's part of what God has called you to do, and therefore, if God has called you to do, it's part of your ministry. I'm a full-time minister. I go to my job, and I do this for God. How many of you have been trying to practice some of that attitude at your job? Okay, I wish I had time to get your stories because I know that you've tried to practice it, but it is hard to do that. But my goal is to commission all of you to your jobs with a new mentality saying, I'm doing this for God. And if I do it for God, I do it better than if I were doing it for my boss and I do it with a different kind of attitude. Sometimes we look at Bible characters or stories in the Bible and think they lived in a different world than we live in. We look at their lives and think, well, it must have been easy to live in those days. No cell phones, no traffic jams, seems like they pray all the time, God speaks to them out of the clouds. It's a lot harder to live today in today's world and really be a Christian, but I want you to know that some of the people that we respect in the Bible, they suffered the same type of stress-related issues that you and I face at work today. And I want to talk to you about a fellow that you're well aware of, well acquainted with if you've been around Christianity for a while. His name is Daniel. And many of you know the story of Daniel. Daniel is famous for being put in what? The lion's den. I mean, every little kid that's been to Sunday school, that's one of their favorite stories, right? Daniel and the lion's den. And so we all know the story of Daniel being put in the middle of a a lion's den and surviving a lion's den, but you may not understand and may not realize that the way that Daniel ended up in the lion's den was work-related problems. And so you may feel today like you're in the middle of a lion's den. Because your work has placed you in the middle of a lion's den. And you may feel today like, hey, God, please close the mouths of the lions around me because I feel like I'm about to be eaten alive. And so I want you to turn in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 6. Daniel, the sixth chapter. Some of us are in a secular, even hostile environment. But I don't think that's enough to keep a follower from G- of Jesus from really doing kingdom work. Now, many of us exist between, well, we make our world into sacred and secular, but from God's perspective, there's no dichotomy between the sacred and the secular. They're all the same. If you look at the story of Daniel in Daniel chapter 6, you'll see some of the same, well, you'll see some of the things that Daniel faced. He faced the jealousy of political subordinates, the vanity of a king, the integrity of a man, the power and preservation of God, and actually some wild animals and violence all wrapped up in one story. If you look at the story of Daniel and you Understand that Daniel was working. Daniel had one of the toughest jobs you could have because he was working really in a political job, in a political environment. By the way, I I do believe that we need Christians in politics. How about it? Now, 
I, I would encourage you not to even think of getting into politics unless you have a strong, strong sense of integrity, even as a Christian, because I believe that one of the hardest jobs to maintain your integrity in is uh, jobs related to politics. But I do believe that we need politicians that have a moral code within their soul and strong belief in God to run for office and to engage in every aspect, both citywide, statewide, and uh, nationwide. And so if God is calling you to run for a political office, make sure it's God and make sure that you've guarded your heart and integrity because if you are easily swayed uh, to compromise your convictions and your values, then I want to challenge you, please don't run for office. Uh, stay out of politics because you'll lose your soul on the altar of the political machine. Daniel was called to serve in one of the most tense environments that someone could serve in. He was called to serve in the political environment. And in those days, they had kings and not presidents. But some of the same stuff existed that exists in our political system. Uh, Pete Hammond, who's written an article, Standing Up to Office Politics, talks about four challenges that Daniel faced. Number one, he was surrounded by co-workers who were critical of his faith. Maybe you can relate. Not every coworker around you is happy that you're a Christian. In fact, some coworkers are going to discover you're a Christian and they're going to just pinch at it all the time. How many of you have coworkers that, oh, so did you do go to church? A little word slips out, oh, and you're a Christian? Some of you have coworkers that just love to, they love to badger you over your Christianity. They found out that you're a Christian and it has become their joy in life to catch you in any little thing and remind you, oh, and you're supposed to be a Christian. Some of you have coworkers like that, that your faith has become their target. Uh, Daniel had that. Uh, secondly, Daniel had coworkers who would do anything to get ahead, including lying and cheating and throwing him under the bus. Uh, some of you work in that kind of environment where you're constantly watching your back because there are people that if they could get ahead, if you prosper, they're full of envy and jealousy that you prosper. And they'll lie and cheat to try to keep you from prospering. And some of you work in that kind of environment, a dog-eat-dog -dog world. Daniel had those kind of co-workers. Number three, Daniel was faced with morally compromising situations at work that tried to drag him in. He had his faith, but his work was trying to cause him to compromise his faith. And number four, he had trouble with his supervisors who were ready to blame him if anything went wrong. So Daniel, he existed in a work environment that many of you work in today, and he knew that stress and that temptation. And I want you to see how Daniel faced this. And I believe that Daniel made four choices that I believe that every Christian in the workplace can learn from. And if, unless you make these four choices, you too, I think, will, will be swept into compromising your faith. So I want you to write these choices down. 
Choice number one. Daniel chose to work at a higher standard of integrity than the rest of his culture because of his faith. We're hitting the pause button for now, but we're going to get right back to those four choices you and I can learn from Daniel's integrity in just a moment here on Moody Presents. Right now, though, here's something to think about. Many people believe that mission and ministry are carried out by a select few professional clergy or an elite number of mission agencies and nonprofit organizations. But here's the reality. God's message was given to every member of his church. We're called to be everyday missionaries. So how do you become an everyday missionary? Well, that's what the book Life on Mission is all about. It's from Moody Publishers, and you can find out more about it at the Moody Publishers tab when you visit moodypresents.org. Our current series is titled God at Work, The Sacred Value of What You Do. Now, if you've missed any message and you want to catch up, why not head to moodypresents.org anytime and click on Past Programs. Or, of course, you can subscribe to the podcast and receive it automatically with your favorite streaming device. That's moodypresents.org. Well, Daniel chose to operate at a higher standard of integrity than the rest of his culture. And how did they treat him? Well, that's coming up right now. Here again is Pastor Mark Job with more on Daniel's work ethic. If you look at verse 3 of Daniel chapter 6, it says, Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps, which was some of the governors of the land, by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. The king who was not a Christian, this was pagan Babylon. Uh, He was not a follower of Jehovah, the God of Daniel, so he was a pagan. But he noticed that Daniel worked with a lot of integrity, had exceptional qualities, And and it actually drew him to to Daniel, so much so that he started promoting Daniel up the ladder of success, and he came to the point where the king was actually about to appoint Daniel as head over the whole kingdom. Verse 4, at this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in the conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Because Daniel was a follower of God, he worked at a level of integrity that was way above what everybody else worked at. When other people were lying, he chose not to lie. When other people were cutting corners, he chose, I'm not going to cut corners. When other people were filling out their time card falsely, he was choosing to be honest about his time card. When other people were taking money from the lobbyists, he was saying, no, thank you, I don't do that. When other people were lying to these out of this mouth to please this crowd and telling other people Daniel was not doing that, he received the reputation of being someone that worked and walked with integrity. That when Daniel gave you his word, he kept his word. That if Daniel said it was true, it was true. That there was no corruption, in fact... The king decided to promote him, and have you ever noticed at your job when there's a vacancy, 
and it's time for promotion to come, the weirdness in the air. Well, rumor was it that the king was about to promote Daniel, and suddenly when his co-workers found out that Daniel was about to be promoted, then they launched a conspiracy, a water cooler conspiracy, to try to find something about Daniel that they could point to their boss about. Now imagine that. Imagine if right now, your co-workers got together, your co-workers that have worked with you for a while, they know your ins and out, you've given them all the gossip, they've watched you work. If your co-workers decided right now that they were going to find something about your work that you broke the rules, you didn't follow through, you lied a little bit, Imagine if all of them conspired together to analyze and try to find something about your job or your integrity that was wrong. Can I ask you a question? What would they find? Seriously. Would they be able to make a list? Well, this day, they said they were sick. I saw them at Great America on their Facebook. <laughs> you know, they filled out their time card that they stayed until 5 when really they left at 2. They said that they did this project, but really the person that did it was someone else. They just took credit for it. I mean, seriously, if, ever, if people started examining your life right now, really heavy examining your life because they wanted to catch you. And sometimes people in politics go through that. People that are running for political office, their advisors come in and the first conversation they have is, do you have any skeletons in the closet? Because when you run for office, all those skeletons are going to come out. People are going to start digging. And what are they going to find when they dig? Daniel's co-workers decided we're going to try to find any dirt that we can on Daniel's life. And something rare happened in Daniel's case. The more they looked, they looked at his files, his finances, his conversations, the decisions he made. They talked to people that were under him, over him, around him. They examined, explored, got in his closet, looked in his files, talked to everybody they could. And you know what? They gathered around the water cooler again and they said, so what'd you find? Nothing. This guy is as clean as a whistle. I mean, we can't even find, I mean, he doesn't even take paper clips that don't belong to him. This guy returns the pens when he borrows them and turns them back because this guy is so squeaky clean, it makes me sick. Well, why? Well, because Daniel was not working for the king and he wasn't working for a boss, he was working for God. Daniel had decided a long time ago, what I do, I do for God. And so he was a man of integrity. His faith had driven him to start living and working and acting with absolute integrity. I'm told that there was a great revival that happened in the country of Wales, which is part of the United Kingdom, not far from Scotland. 
This revival, Wales was a mining company, and so many of the people there worked in very poor conditions, and most of the population worked in the coal mines. But God was doing such a revival that it was just incredible. Still, historians talk about the Welsh revival. God worked with so much power that the bars practically closed down in Wales because they had no more clients because people stopped hanging out and drinking and partying. The police had to lay off half of their force because they were bored. They had nothing to do anymore because the domestic violence had gone down so much and robbery and crime it went to almost an, a minimal. In this small country, God moved in such powerful, miraculous ways that it, that, that, that historians and theologians still talk about the incredible things that happened in the Welsh revival. It was birthed through prayer. And one of the interesting things that happened in the Welsh revival is that miners started getting convicted about what they had. Well, they had got convicted about the integrity of their life. And so it spread throughout all of the congregations and all of the mining community that if you wanted to be right with God, you had to live and walk with integrity even at your job. And if you had stolen anything from your job, then you needed to return it. Piles of tools started appearing in front of the, in front of the mining. Literally hammers and picks and wheelbarrows and tools that miners over the years had just, well, they thought, hey, these bosses don't pay us what we deserve. They're not going to miss a hammer, screwdriver, a wheelbarrow. I'm just going to take it. But they got so convicted about it that all the miners started returning all the tools they had stolen. And finally, the owners had to say, stop, no more. We don't need your tools back. Keep them. The integrity that was there. You see, when God starts working in your life, listen to me well. When God really gets a hold of your life, listen to me, people. When God really gets a hold of your life, he will start getting a hold of your work habits. He'll start getting a hold of your work ethic. He'll start getting a hold of your integrity. The things that you used to do before that you used to lie about on your timesheet or your taxes or the things that you used to easily do before now, it bothers you. The petty cash that you never really kept great track of now, it bothers you. The expense report that you used to just kind of sort of uh, pile up expense report that was really personal expense, hey, it bothers you now. Now you feel like I don't steal anymore. I can't because I, I walk with integrity because God is looking and God is my boss and therefore because God is my boss, I need to follow what he tells me to do. So I don't know. I, I just wonder if your coworkers were to gather around you and say, can we find anything on you? Would they find a laundry list of things that you've really dropped the ball in and not acted with integrity? I think you need to make a choice to live at a higher standard. Secondly, I think you need to make a choice like Daniel did, to maintain his spiritual life at the risk of losing his job. You see, when his co-workers could find nothing 
about his work, then they started to dig into his faith. And they figured if we can't get him because of his job, we'll get him because of his faith. Uh, That may be happening to some of you. Someone that's just mad about your job, but they're just going to pick on your faith. Oh, so you're one of those holy rollers? Hallelujah, people. Jesus freaks. Well, some of you have coworkers that just like to, well, they just like to bug you with religious stuff, right? They know that you're a Christian, so they'll throw in anti-Christian stuff just to, just to get you aggravated. Well, Daniel, here's what it says, verse 5. It says, finally, these men, after they had searched Daniel to see if they could find something wrong and couldn't, finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. In other words, unless it has something to do with his religion. Thank you, Pastor Mark, for helping us learn from the life of Daniel, how to keep your job and not lose your soul. More on not compromising next time as we continue with part two of this message. Now, to catch up in our current series, God at Work, stop by the website moodypresents.org and click on Past Programs. You can hear this or any broadcast anytime, anywhere, on demand at moodypresents.org. We'd also love to hear from you. You know, our email address is moodypresents at moody.edu. That's moodypresents at moody.edu. How is God using the program in your life? Love to hear from you. Moody presents at moody.edu. For Mark Job, I'm John Geiger. Moody Presents is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.